Hey everyone, it's Rory. I missed you. Um, today's episode touches on suicide and some other mental health topics. So we and Meadowlark wanted to kind of have this PSA at the beginning. Um, Meadowlark was really helpful. She gave us the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline phone number, which is 1-800-273-8255. She also included the crisis text line, which you just text hello to 741-741. So thank you, Meadowlark. That was really cool of you. Um, Yeah, that's all I got. Enjoy Meadowlark. Oh, and it's a Zoom call, so excuse the audio. This this is nearing the end, I promise. Then we're going to have really good sounding stuff. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Wake Up with Wesley. I'm your host, Wesley, and I today, I'm just, this one's a big one for me. I'm with <laughs> Meadowlark. You guys, Meadowlark, it's a big one for me. I was telling her just now, I'm like, I really sat, I tried to prepare and then I threw all the preps out the door. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Let's just chat, man. You know how fun it is to watch you saying this? Cause all I do hear this all the time. I'm such a listener, but I'm like, oh, we're here. We're doing it like this. Ooh. You're doing it. We're just going to see where this goes. We're going to see what, well, this is, this is exciting for me because Meadow, first of all, I have a problem right before we start. I cannot not call you Meadow Lark. I want to call you Meadow Lark. Please do. My whole family does. Please do. Yeah. Okay. So this is what's confusing. It's even the middle name. It's not even my first name. I'm Madeline Meadow Lark Monaghan. So when I was born, everyone immediately was like, oh, Meadow Lark, what an interesting middle name. So everyone dropped the Madeline. Legally, I'm Madeline, so no one understands that. It makes no sense. My whole family calls me Meadowlark, and then friends call me Meadow. But then, okay, I'm like Meadowlark. That is dope. That is the coolest name I've ever heard in my life. It's like you know how people just go by their first name, like Madonna. Like no one calls <laughs> me by my any name but Wesley. Like you yeah. are like very. It's proper, man. Meadowlark. It's the best name in the world. So you know what's fun? Indy and I bonded over. We always get the oh, are your parents hippies? Yeah. Like, oh, your parents must be hippies, right? Like, we both were like, yep, we always, that's always the follow-up question. Uh, they were some always. hippies, man. Yeah. Okay, so Meadow is actually, you are a mental health professional. That's what I'm calling you. Would you call yeah. yourself that? That's it, yeah. Mental health worker, mental health professional. So we- I used to do that formally, and I guess now I'm more of an advocate. Yeah, an educator. I feel like you're an educator. An educator. Ooh, okay, let's call me that. So we found each other through Mad Happy, which yeah. is a brand that I'm I'm telling you guys, if you if you haven't heard of them, it's a well-known brand, but like I back that company so much because they are all about advocating for mental health. And yeah. they're they they sell clothes and the clothing is nice and beautiful mm-hmm. and like comfortable. And thick. Yeah. It's like awesome clothes without the amazing backstory. So it's just like the best, it's a mix of two worlds I love, but you reached out initially to Bronson and Indy and they did a little piece for you. Yeah. And then you reached out to me and I'm like, I'll write something, I'll write something. And then being the crazy ass, I mean, I'm in over my head. I'm like, I never even wrote you what I need. This is reminding me, I need to write that for you. Any open invite whenever you want. 
I'll get it. There's no time constraint. There's no time constraint. This is whenever you want to come on, it is ready for you. Okay. But it's really a beautiful thing. So like, so that's your job. Can you kind of explain what you do at Mad Happy? Okay. So I'll I'll paint the picture for how I even got involved with them because I think it's really cool. I was just a mental health worker. So at the time I was working for NAMI. I don't know if you know of them. National Alliance on Mental Illness. Okay. They're the nation's largest nonprofit that does all education, advocacy work, and destigmatization work on mental health. And so I was working at like our local branch in San Diego, which actually I think is the biggest NAMI branch, and was doing something on the side, like helping someone with a project where I had to find like cool kid brands. And someone was like, oh, you should include Mad Happy. They're this new LA brand. They're really cool. They do streetwear and they're actually all about mental health. You would really like them. So I went and I looked them up. This is last summer, like over a year ago now. And I went and I looked them up. And at the time they only had two blog posts. And I reached out and was like, Hey, how cool that you guys are doing this. Like I'm a mental health worker. I also love to write. If you ever want help with the blog, you know, I'd be happy to write stuff for you. You shot your shot. I shot my shot. I slid into the DMS and I shot my (laughs) shot and they were like, yes, for sure. So I wrote a couple pieces for them. And then eventually it just happened where we had the conversation that was saying, if you guys are really about this and you want to do this and make this a huge part of your company, you should have someone from that world. So I went from like full-time direct service mental health work to now being the mental health department leader, kind of liaison between that world and branding for Mad Happy. But you guys, you get really cool people to share their story super authentically, super vulnerable. Like you've created this space where it is a safe place to kind of talk about these issues that for whatever, this is what I want to ask you is why is it so shameful for us as a society? Why is mental health like such a thing? And I think us like millennials, we're not, it's not as big of a deal for us, but even then it's still a thing. Why why is that? I don't know. And I think... I think for someone like me, where mental health, like my whole, you don't get into this for the money. Like, right. That's always the joke. You go into this because you're trying to figure out your family. That's always Mm -hmm. our big focus. Oh, how many people can I diagnose in my family? Let me go study this and find out. But so when I had so much experience when you're younger, and then I think when I started really feeling that stigma was when I was in college, I remember, you know, like dorm room conversations where you're sitting around, you're getting to know people, you're talking about, you know, where you all came from and differences. And I would kind of throw mental health stuff out there casually because to me, it was always around. And you watched people be like, oh no, like that's not a light topic. They like, clam up. We're not going to get into this. Like, no, 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 no. And I was always like, why? Like every single person has experience with this. Why do we feel that like we can't just all talk about it without going through some big long tragic Netflix original drama series. Like why can't we just talk about it being open and it doesn't have to be so heavy and so weighted. And I feel like, I mean, at least for me, the first thing that comes to my head is it's just hard to be vulnerable, right? Like you and I love Brene Brown. I'm I'm all about it. It's not hard for me. I mean, but it is, but that's what's so admirable about you because for people it is hard because people yeah. do want to put their best foot forward and it's hard, it's it's a lot harder to do the work than not do the work. It's a lot harder to be awake than it is to be asleep. Be oh. asleep, you're just dreaming, you're going ignorance is bliss, you're skating through. It's a lot harder to wake up and be like, oh my gosh, this is my childhood trauma and now I have to work through all this. And it resurfaces and resurfaces and it's never over. Oh, it's never over. 
but that that is true. It's true. Ignorance is bliss until it's not. I think that the ignorance, it builds and it turns into like weird. I think that not dealing with the things that we know we should, but we just stuff and stuff and stuff. I think it's the root of like addiction and shame and secrecy. And I think it breeds into really, really, really unhealthy ways to express yourself. And people are like, I don't know why I'm addicted. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I'm not open. But I think it's like that not being open. I don't know. It's just my, my very personal hypothesis on the whole issue. No, I like it. And I think it's so funny you say that. Cause I remember I asked Bronson this in our interview with him on Matt Happy. So I want to ask you mm-hmm. too, do you think in order to wake up, people have to hit rock bottom? Oh, that is, I, I want <laughs> to say no. I want to say, no, I don't think you have to. I know I absolutely had to. And I know he absolutely had to, but I don't think everyone's like us. I think that you can just be really into getting to know yourself and better yourself and start that process naturally. But for me, I needed almost like that kickstart. That was, Mm. it it was either that or I wanted to die. I was like, okay, do I want to live or do I want to die? Like, let's just get better. I begrudgingly woke up. It was not a nice thing at all. But yeah, he he said, what did he say? I'm actually curious. I think he said yes too. Yeah. I think he said, I think it was the same thing where like, I don't want to say yes, but I know for me, I did. I think he's very aligned with you on that. I don't know if I did. Cause I feel like rock bottom is so different for me. Cause so much of my experience is as a, like a family member. So much of what mental health experience I have was all like, I was right next to it happening, but I wasn't the one with the symptoms. You were like observing it. Yeah. Cause it's okay. Let's talk about it. What okay, happened? Okay, okay. We can get, okay. Oh, we're so jumping right in. We're jumping right in. There's, there's always like, I used to speak about this. A lot, let me back up. I used to speak about this a lot when I was at NAMI in terms of like sharing about my story and things I went through and how you can overcome different mental health challenges and live successfully. And this is what it looks like as part of stigma. And I would always name the kind of five situations, but I don't think I've ever said them like on social media or anywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this will be kind of like a trial run for us, Ooh. which is fun. But so my very first understanding of mental health was when my little brother, by the time he was in kindergarten, he's two years younger than me. By the time he was in kindergarten was already being pulled out of school to have testing for IEPs or ADD. Like his mind just worked differently. Mm-hmm. Day one, it worked differently. My mom used to say when we were little, she would like be going around grocery shopping with us and people will be like, Oh, cute kids, whatever. And she would point to me and say, I'll give you a hundred dollars to make her frown and point to my brother and be like, give you a hundred dollars to make him smile. Like it was just, he was always just like, I'm here again. Like I didn't sign up for this. Like who brought me back here? What am I doing here? Like he was just always, life was just different. He was, he was in his own place. Life was just different for him. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to me, I have two very older siblings from my dad's first marriage that were 25 years older than me. And my older brother had undiagnosed bipolar disorder. So I was kind of like seeing my little brother go through school and be a little different while watching my older brother do certain things that at the time, of course, I didn't know that they were manic episodes, but looking back, you can kind of realize that, you know, so I, I, I was just surrounded by siblings that always were different and whose brains worked so differently. And it was always a thing, but to me, it's just what I, it was just life. It was just part of being a sibling to them. So it's not something that I really placed at the time. 
So you never thought that they were, something was wrong. I'm using that in quotations. You were, or did you? I I didn't until my brother, my little brother was in fifth grade and started having more severe symptoms that he doesn't have now, but he was having like hallucinations and delusions. And then something was wrong. And then by the time I was a freshman in high school, they were going back and forth between two brothers, at least for now, my older brother died. And my parents came and told my younger brother and I, my younger brother was not doing so well, was kind of still, you know, struggling with education and kind of behavioral stuff. And we didn't really know what was happening with him. And so they came to us and said, you know, like your brother, Brendan, there's been an accident. Oh my God. I'm sorry. He passed away. Oh, I, and that was it. Like they told us how, but they said that it happened uh, with an accident, you know, by accident on accident. Mm -hmm. And I went to visit my sister the following year and read as little sisters do was like reading through her art journal Mm -hmm. and read a page talking about Brendan's suicide. (sighs) And that was like, that was my first rock bottom. This is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like I've had multiple of these experiences. I never feel like it was one, Mm -hmm. but that was the first where like, that felt like true betrayal. And I, I felt like betrayed that my sister knew and didn't tell me I felt betrayed by my parents that lied to us. And I felt like I was, I betrayed myself by not realizing that everything that I had been seeing had been him struggling and him not being okay. Even though I was so young, like, how was I supposed to know that? And this was, come on, 2008, 2009, people didn't talk about this yet. No. We didn't have Instagram. Like we didn't talk about, we didn't have Mad Happy. Like you, you and I weren't out here talking about no. that. Yeah. So I didn't know, but that was the first time that that really shocked me. And looking back, like in no way do I blame my parents at all because my little brother was doing so poorly. They thought that if they told us the the truth, he would think that that's an idea for his pain. And they would think that, yeah, they were like, I don't want him to get this idea from his older brother and think that this, this would work for him too, if he's not doing okay. When in fact, now we know that's the number one myth about suicide. Is that it's like contagious. It's so it's contagious only in the way that when people report about it, if you say the direct means in which they use to complete suicide, that can have a copycat effect. But the idea that you're planting the seed in someone's mind is the number one myth. Like when I talk about suicide prevention stuff, the first thing I tell people is ask the question, ask the question. It's the scariest thing you can do, mm-hmm. but people, if they are suicidal are just wanting to end their pain and they don't want to die. They just want the pain to end. So they're waiting for someone to ask them. So you can tell them another way their pain can end. They just need another idea. Oh my God. Like actually the number one myth. So, but how were my parents supposed to know? Cause no one talked about it. There was none of this information, not online, not for parents. So that was kind of my very first experience with it. Yeah. Two, two years later, both my parents were diagnosed with cancer at the same time. Oh One year God. after that, my dad got in an accident, was in the hospital for 55 days and died summer before my senior year of college. Then I went to college and was in a school shooting. What? And worked at my school's counseling and psychological services during the school shooting. I knew someone that passed away. <gasps> like online. like, like it, was, it was death and trauma after death and trauma after death and trauma. So that's what I- 17 I, to 22. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, your parents were diagnosed at the same time? Mm -hmm. 
how and then and wait like there was so much information wait how did your father die okay are you are you emotionally available for like graphics like how yes yes okay Okay, you're not if you want to go there I mean I don't want to push you into doing something you don't want to do oh I've worked through it years this is 10 years old at this point I worked through it so I'm good at the time he my dad was my soulmate my dad like my dad actually lost his oldest son when he was three and like what that was so hard on him. And the family says, when I was born, I looked so much like that son that I kind of like reawakened that in my oh, dad. Yeah. Um, made him happy. Like my dad and I were next level. Soulmates. You know, soulmates. Um, so at the time it was the worst thing I could possibly imagine happening. But now I think it's like the cause of all my strength. The worst thing that I could ever imagine happening to me did. And I was 17. Now I'm like, bring it. And you lived it. I, you lived I, through it. I lived through it and I'm okay. And I'm happy and healthy. So bring it. Anyway, so he had cancer. He was diagnosed with cancer. My mom's brother's actually an oncologist. And so we were really lucky. So we had access to like a lot of innovative information and technologies and whatever through him. Um, so he was technically cured of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then one day, no one was home but my little brother. And my little brother wasn't doing so well. So he was upstairs kind of in his own room doing his own thing. And all we know is my dad fell in the garage. He fell. And so he called my mom. He's like, Hey, I fell down. Like my head's kind of bleeding a lot, but I ordered a pizza, like go pick up the pizza, go get it. I'm good. I cleaned it up. Like there's probably a stain I cleaned up, but like maybe come home and I might have to go get stitches later. Mm -hmm. My mom was like, Whoa, are you okay? Like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, no, 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 it's fine. Like go pick up the pizza, come home. Like I'm totally good, fully coherent, whatever. By the time my mom got home, he was like slurred speech, couldn't really walk wasn't really there anymore. So we, to this day, we don't really know what happens. We think he had a stroke and fell in our garage and our garage had. Oh my gosh. Yes. So he cracked his skull from the base of his neck to his forehead straight through. Like they said, it's like a professional baseball player took a bat to the back of his head. Oh my God. So he was in and out of a coma for 55 days in the ICU all summer before my senior year of high school. And I just, we just lived in the hospital with him. And, he, and, the, and your brother died the year before? My brother died two years before. And my little brother attempted suicide five times while my dad was in the hospital. Oh my gosh. And, and got sent to an out-of-state lockdown facility while he was still in the hospital before he passed. Like my mental health story is never me, but I'm, 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 right, I'm right there. It's like, orbiting I'm, around I'm, you. I'm you right so wow. that's why I, this is all circling back, but that's why I don't know if I hit my rock bottom, but I just went through so many things in such a short time that mm-hmm. brought me there. Even if it wasn't happening to me. I totally get it. This Not is wild. Just to circle back to this original question. <laughs> At this, it's, it's honestly, it, this yeah. is why you are who you are. How can yeah. you do anything else? Like this How is like, could I do anything else? Come on. lived it, breathed it, experienced it. And then, and then to be on your own and go to college and have that horrific thing happen. So is that within college where you already on this, this, this like path? Kind of. I, so I knew I loved psychology anyway. Like I had taken a class in high school. I knew it was my jam. I applied to college under a different major. Cause I heard it was easier to get in under like linguistics. So like I applied on a different major and then immediately just did undeclared. Cause I wanted to change my mind a hundred times anyway. But I was, I remember I was walking across campus once and I saw a sign and it said, mental health peeps, come check out this job. And I was like, oh, I like mental health. Like, what's that about? 
And it was actually our school's, um, you know how every university will have like a counseling and psychological services? Yes. We'll have like clinicians on staff. It was a, they had their own program at UCSB where they hired undergraduates to kind of be that liaison between the therapist and the student body. So we would learn all about mental health and talk to people about it and kind of do basic level counseling and give workshops and stuff. And so I got involved with them, started that job immediately and then was like, okay, duh, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Like, this is it. It and all, then, then you graduate so then, and you get know me and then, then go straight. So I worked a couple different service jobs. Like I did, um, where I met my boyfriend, we both worked a job where it was helping youth with mental health issues that also were kind of, m- many of them were homeless or at risk of homelessness, find and maintain employment. So I've done stuff like that. I've done an internship with the LGBTQ Research Center for Older Adults. Then I went to NAMI and started doing like lectures and big picture advocacy and destigmatizing. So I've done a couple different like direct service versus big picture stuff in mental health. Mm-hmm. And then just took all of that. And now I'm at a clothing company. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. Ow! It works so well. Okay. I actually have a question for you. Okay, okay. So when this was going on, you're in college. There is that stigma because I actually remember being in college. I mean, I only went for six weeks, but this is a very real, real memory I have. I remember sitting in the dorm rooms and everyone talking and something about um, depression came up. And I remember a guy said, oh, I can't date a girl with depression and her parents can't have depression because I, it would, it would affect my life and my kids. And I remember being like in my, in my head, I like, you just I was very insecure. I, my my way of living back then was like, just do whatever you think people will like. And then and, and that's how you survive. Just like go with the flow. So like I literally made a mental check mark. Like, okay, if I'm feeling depressed, do not tell. Don't talk yeah. about it. No one will want to marry me. I will be childless. I will, it will be my fault if my children have this. Like that, those are the conversations. I just, yeah. they stick. And it's a, I couldn't even tell you this man's name. But I remember that happens though. Like it's such a thing that we all heard, maybe not nowadays, but I still think for us and at least our parents, like we all heard those phrases so early on. And like you, we all just internalize that. Yeah. Oh, you don't speak up about this. Like this is something that is too much for you to tell your friends or too much for you to ask for help for to like, it's, that's the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like that's, that's the, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like that's the baggage that we don't cross. Yeah. So I'm curious if that's, everyone goes through it. One in four people have had a mental health issue like this past year. Shit, man. I think more than that with coronavirus, I feel like everyone's mental health is off. That's my new thing is that every time someone asks me, how are you? I say it's any woman's game. (laughs) And Corona, like it's any man's game. Every hour is different. Yeah, for real. This is twilight zone. But so when you, when you know that, when that's like the social norm and this was like 10 years ago, I don't know how many years ago, did you, did you feel like you could talk about this with people around you, with your peers, with your friends, or did you kind of clam up? Like, did you tell tell people what you went through? Just a second, guys. I got to slide in here and talk to you about the daily shift. So what is the daily shift? The daily shift is an app I use each and every day to help keep me grounded, present, mindful, and goal oriented. So I've talked a little bit about what each day kind of looks like throughout the app. And something that I actually really want to hit on is the goal setting portion. So in the daily shift app, you can hit this section called goals. And in this section, it goes over spiritual goals, financial goals, 
health goals, relationship goals, family, career, and even goals to have more fun in your life. It's just, this is why I think I love The Daily Shift so much because I think a lot of people are weirded out about this like woo-woo vibey stuff, but this app is a one-stop shop. It kind of like melds the worlds of woo-woo and practicality. Like this, these daily practices have the power to shift your personal life, your business, your love life, your health. It is just absolutely invaluable. I wouldn't be talking about it so passionately if I didn't think it had the power to really make waves in your life. And it's one of those things that the more you do it, the more you see the progress being made. So Doug, the founder, has a special offer for the Wake Up With Wesley audience. He is offering you guys not only the app, but with the app comes their masterclass, which is a 75-page workbook that goes very in-depth on how to shift your life. Um, with this includes access to the Daily Shift's private Facebook group. They hold weekly challenges. They have lots of like printable calendars and the community in itself is invaluable. So you get all of this for $139. This is a savings of over 961 bucks, you guys, because this in total without this deal is $1,100. Ah! So please take this. I know this offer will not last. It's just for you guys. So go to www.thedailyshifts.com slash Wesley and just take the leap. So that's www.thedailyshifts.com slash Wesley. And then you can start to really shift your life. Now let's get back to the show. Oh, I, I, I felt people, like I said, in those dorm room conversations, like I felt people react like, oh, whoa. And I was always the one that was like, oh no, but I'm going to talk about it because like you with my dad, like I have no problem talking about it because I worked through it. I'm good. So why are you freaking out right now? Mm -hmm. Like I'm talking about this, like this ain't that big of a deal for me. I worked through my stuff. I want to share this because this made me who I am and I'm okay about it now. So why can't you hear the part of my story that makes me me if I'm okay and happy and healthy? I'm not asking you for anything. I just want to share. Oh, that's kind of beautiful, man. I like, I, I've never heard it that way. It's really, you just want to share. It's, it's you. It's a part of your story. It's not sad. It's not weird. Like I now get to know you. It's just yeah. you. I think it's and a beautiful you know, it's thing. So fun. It, I feel like, because I knew I was going to come on this, it almost felt like a self-work assignment. I was like going through stuff I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you about. Cause I knew we would, you know, have so many things to say. And I found a note on my phone from 2013 and it said, making mental health cool. And it was, <gasps> I've always had this idea to like, how can I bring mental health online? How can we make it cool? I've always loved like YouTube. I remember loving Instagram when it came out. Like I was like, how cool would it be to kind of bring mental health online? And so it said things like, you know, talking about it without feeling like you watched a long, sad movie or conversations with friends or stories that make up who you are, but things we've worked through. Like I, I had a note on my phone of how I like, what would this look like if I could have this dream job where I brought mental health online? And I feel like I'm kind of doing it. No, you, you are so doing me this. Trying to look through my phone for like stuff to be excited to talk to you about gave me that gift to be like, wow, like this is something that I've been thinking of for, look, I have goosebumps. This is years for years. And I feel like people are now wanting to talk about it. The fact that you have this whole show that's about like people that have been through things to work on themselves and get better and what they did and how mm-hmm. and the tools that you, like, 
I just am so like my whole being is so hyped all the time that we're like, yes, people want to talk about this now. Like finally, finally. I well, I think you see, I think you, you feel what I feel. And it's this, this thing that when you go through struggles or things that you, you maybe aren't, don't want to open up during the time, but like, once you wrap it up into a nice, pretty little bow, like you said, you did the work, like you did the work, you're fine to talk about it. There is this piece that is on the other side that I feel, I feel it so deeply. And I know I can, because I'm sure you feel this too. Like someone who has struggled deeply, like mourned or lost or is in grief or in that like really like thick of it spot, it takes one to know one. And I can walk into a room and I sense it and I can mm-hmm. feel it. Can, can you ever feel it? Yeah. And maybe they're not where you're at yet. Path, like that deep guttural deep. right here. Yeah. And it, and I, and I, I'm not going to like break that for them. Like I'll be open and I'll let them come to me because I know it's such a personal journey, but this is what I want people to know so, so much is that you're not alone. And when you are ready to talk about these things, the weight that is lifted off your chest, it's kind of like the shame in and around mental health almost makes the mental health issue. Like it gives it room to grow. Like the more shame, the more secrecy, it's like getting bigger inside of you, like bigger and bigger and bigger. And I swear to God, the minute I wrote a blog post, when I finally, I outed myself, I feel like I haven't out like the day I came out of the closet and I was like, Hey, this is like, I announced my depression. Yes. Yeah. Like I had everyone looked at me online and they're like, you have it all together. Your life is great. And I went along with that for like seven years. And the day I was like, Hey, this is what it's really like. Like, I'm just gonna, I don't want your sympathy. I don't want your pity, but like, here's what my life looks like right now. And I just want to be honest about it. I became free. Yeah. I became free. And the problems that had caused all the issues became smaller. And it was like the first step in actually healing, really healing. And I know everybody heals differently. This is actually what I really want to talk to you about is like, like tools and strategies and resources because I had none. I was dirt poor. Yeah. I was so full of shame. I didn't want to admit there was a problem. I did this all myself. And I know that that is not the right way to go about this. That there's so many it, resources. It can be though. I, really? don't, I don't want to say like, resources are so helpful. And I, I love therapy. I love resources. I love going to get help. And I think if you're at that place, we should never shame someone for going to get help. And if you need it, you should be able to ask for it and feel so empowered and strong to do it. But if you also were at the place where like it empowered you to work through it on your own, I think there's a different level for everyone. Okay. I like that. I did. It did make, I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud that I, I did that on my own because it did take an immense amount of work. And I know that I'm someone who knows how to work. And now you know how how empowered did it make you feel to be like, I did that. Yeah. Look at me now. But wait, you said so many things just (laughs) that I want to talk about. First of all, I don't know why, but this image came to me when you were describing that kind of like amorphous stigma shame, it feels like this image just came to me and I don't even know if this makes sense, but it feels like the monster under your bed that we just can't address or like the elephant. Like when we don't name it or when we keep it kind of pushed off to the side, it just lets the imagination go and oh. go where when you finally say it and address it, it's like, this is just part of life. It's not all good. And some of it's bad. And that's cool too. Like I there too. The, the, I'm having a visceral reaction to what you just said. It's <laughs> resonating to what, Hey, you're right. This is like step one is name it. 
Name because it. when you don't name it, it is running rampant in your body and your mind. It like seeps out of your body into your house. You're like, is it this house? Where do I live? Is it my life? Oh, you could project it onto exactly. You project it on your house. You project it on your relationship. You project it on what school you're in. Like, oh, I did that all the time. I'm like, I was unhappy. I'm like, I think Bronson sucks. I'm yes. like, oh, very much my own, my own shit. Yeah, yeah I did it. I transferred colleges. I was yeah. like, oh, I went through the school shooting. It's the school. Like, I was yes. here and I, I left. I moved to San Francisco. Like. You, if you don't say what it is in you, you project it on other things because you're not figuring it out. But wait, but then you also said, because you want to get into resources, but you were poor. Yeah. Can we just take a second and talk about the monetization of self-care? Okay. I've heard you talk. I want you to actually go buck wild with this one. I, I feel you deeply on the self-care, that word. Ooh. Okay. Let's go into it. Like I, self-care is not a face mask. That's yes. Like self-care is not a face mask. I made a, I'm not kidding. I made a rant and posted on YouTube once about this. And I sent it to my mom and she was like, you're being too negative. You got to take this down. Like you, I have so many, I just, it so irks me how this, I love, okay. Okay. I got to back up. See, woo, she's getting heated. <laughs> I so love and appreciate how mental health is now being talked about and like taking care of yourself is becoming cool and self-care is cool. And you know, trending and we have self-care routines and it helps us find new things that might be fun. Like maybe people didn't have a morning routine before listening to your podcast and now they do and it works for them. Like that's stellar. However, self-care, like true self-care is free. Like true self-care is doing the work. It's sitting there and meditating. It's journaling. It's like naming the thing. Naming the True thing. self-care is not buying a face mask and spending 15 more minutes rubbing your face so that you get the lymphatic drainage down and like you pampered yourself and gave yourself a face massage today. Like and if it's you're not like working out and it's not like buying clothes, you know how that is the narrative that we're spinning. Mm-hmm. Like you need to care for yourself. You need to get a pedicure. You need to get ready in the morning. Capitalism is selling this to us and That's they're packaging it. it. It's not right. it. And it's not it. Like true self-care is like doing these hard conversations and work and like honoring what you're going through. And like, maybe you're talking about it with a friend. Maybe you're journaling about it. Maybe you're just sitting there at night before going to bed, but doing the like real self-care is honoring your boundaries. It's, you know, like saying no when too much is on your plate. It's taking the extra 30 minutes to really set myself up for a nice morning. So I feel like I could be fully present when I go to work that day. It's doing all these little things. It's not a face mask. It's not. And a I just think capitalism mask. is taking it and running. And once again, I love when people share coping mechanisms because coping mechanisms, self-care is not a one size fits all. Like just because you and I love morning routines does not mean someone else is going to get up and want to like go outside and be freezing cold or, you know, meditate. Like that's not going to work for them. However, maybe one day they wake up and what's been working for them the whole time stops. That's happened to me. That shit, it morphs. It more because yeah. I'm growing. So my mechanisms changing. they grow or so they expand. When, so when we share about them, you're like, oh hey, one time Meadow said she does, you know, alternative nostril breathing. Maybe I'll try that. I've never heard of that, but clearly this meditation isn't working for me today. Like I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I really just want people to know that real self-care is free. Real, real self-care is not a face mask. It's not this capitalism. It's not buying things. It does, you don't have to buy all the oil diffusers and set up your space. You don't have to do all that. You just have to, you know, do things that lift you up. Listen to this podcast, do things that lift yeah. you up and make you feel good. Do read different books or 
just sit with your thoughts, sit alone with your thoughts and see what comes up. Just like honoring that space for yourself. That's the true work. Sometimes the biggest form of self-care for me is eating food in my bed, watching a show and locking my door. Hell yes. Like for that is like how I truly care for myself. I give myself a beat, just a moment. Mm -hmm. And then I'm good. Show that you know, like you can't start a new show. That's too much energy. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to like get into a new drama. Like, let me just rewatch a tried and true episode where I'm in my safe space. I know my zone. I know my emotional investment. Let me just binge watch some YouTube. I could not agree more. And then you said something that honest, I'm realizing that I feel a little bit like, oh, okay. I've never thought about this because I do feel like a responsibility to people listen to this. Mm -hmm. And I always am like, don't do it the way I did it. Don't do it the way I did it because I never had professional help. I I had body dysmorphic disorder. I know it. It was textbook. And I know you're not supposed to self-diagnose, but I'm Mm -hmm. telling you, I did not have a baby. I couldn't, I could not, my situation. And I know that there are so many people like me. Like I I know your story looking in the rear view mirror. Yes. I know your story. Yeah. I just, I just know that there's so many people like me who felt like they, they're suffering. They, they cannot go to a therapist. They cannot take time away from their work. They can't take time away from their kids. They don't have the money to do those things. So I have felt a little bit of shame about my coming, coming to be story because I really just put my head down and like got to work and just decided that I would address these things head on and try my best to educate myself to the, to the best of my abilities. But that's and, it. You did yeah. your best and that's it, period. Yeah, you really I like free. No right or wrong. Like you did what was best for you, what was available to you and you you nailed it. You're here. Like, I just think I do, I don't want to say if someone is struggling with something not to go get professional help because I love therapy and it changed my life. I've seen the same therapist for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I do love it and I do really want people to get the help they need if they can. But if you're like, Docker or dreamer, or you're undocumented and you're over here and you don't have health insurance and you don't have access to that. And you don't have these resources. There are other things you can do too. Yeah. Who's out there for you can do too. Like you, you can put your head down and just try to get as much information you can and do it yourself too. And it can be hard, but sometimes you're doing your best and you got to honor that. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. So what if, so, so I guess what is your advice for the people who, who they've been on this, I feel like it's a line that people kind of straddle. Mm. They're like, okay, I'm not doing well, but I'm fine. I'm not doing well, but I'm fine. There is this like very intimate totally. dance of straddling this, this weird, awkward line where you almost don't want to admit that something's truly up, but you kind of feel like something's up. What, what do you, where do they go first? Okay. So now I'm so torn about this because I love that you and I said, name it, like name what's addressing you. But I don't necessarily want to say you don't have to name that formally. Like you don't have to go get a diagnosis. Or if you think you're experiencing anxiety, you don't have to say, oh, this is generalized anxiety disorder. Now I should do do this. Because sometimes giving yourself that exact label or going that route can kind of make you, can kind of be a self-fulfilling prophecy too. Like, Like you're saying, there's that in between line where like we all experience a level of this stuff that doesn't mean you got to go get the diagnosis and think your life has changed forever and you're never going to heal from this. But we do all experience these things to an extent and just kind of honoring that in ourself. Okay. So that's step one, name it for yourself. Get real with yourself, name it for yourself. Step two, I would say the easiest way to make things not scary is to learn about them. 
right? Like then you don't leave room for the monster under the bed. It's not so scary. Like your imagination is so much worse than when it can run amok than what things are. So I feel like the first thing to do is just learn as much as you can. And all that can do is help empower you to what steps make the most sense for you next. So maybe that's finding someone on YouTube that talks about this stuff that can get you to like bring up different things or think about stuff for yourself. Maybe it's listening to this podcast. Maybe it's going to pick up a new book. Maybe it's sitting with yourself for five minutes a day, just totally quiet and just seeing what happens. Like there's different, just little different prompts you can do to start figuring out like, okay, is my issue, am I having like a lot of negative critical self-talk? Is my issue with boundaries? Like it can kind of be hard to see where that is. So I think just listening to a bunch of conversations and learning about a bunch of these different topics can only equip you to what you're going through and what makes the most sense for you and how to respond to it. It's is the that same of an answer. No, it's education is power. You, education you, is power. You get some power back when you know what's going on. So I don't, I don't, I think that's amazing. It, and it builds your confidence. I think the more I learn, I feel, I talked about this actually on Instagram the other day. Cause I said, not only do I want to be able to post a photo when like my ass won't quit, but like the other day I had just doing all this research and I was getting so hyped on stuff that I was finding out that I never knew before. And I wanted to shout it. Like, I was like, I feel cool. I feel empowered. Like I feel, I feel hot. Like this is awesome. Like like learning stuff can feel so empowering and build your confidence. Like that's it. Even without you applying it, just feeling like you have the knowledge of certain things can just take that up. So you feel like you almost have more of the energy to handle it because you have a better understanding of what's happening. I think think that's the thing. I think people want to repress so that they don't feel the feels because they're hard. And it's hard. It's hard to go through this. It's hard to feel the feels. Like we said, like it's a lot easier to be asleep. But when you, when you make the decision, like, all right, I got to wake up. Like this is the time. And then you start learning about it and hearing other people's stories. All you can do is give, make yourself more and more confident. Like, all right, I'm going to handle this. Here we go one day at a time. And I'm going to, you know, stay in touch with people, even if it's not, you know, you with a friend, even if you're just staying in touch with different people online that you like that are talking about it, people are going to show their progress through it too. And it's so fun. It's fun to talk to people about this stuff because you get new tips and ideas and you feel that you're not alone. Like no. you said, like we're not alone. We're all doing this stuff all the time. And there is, like you said, there is that resistance. Have you ever read um, The War of Art? Oh my gosh, no, but I swear you just, did you talk about it recently? Someone yes. talked about it recently. Every, no, I'm writing it down. I'm like, I, I'm like on a high, on a high with this book right now because it is, it is, it's this, it's, it's addressing your mental health. It's addressing your biggest fears. It's, it's basically the whole book is like, examine the areas in your life, which you are resisting the absolute most. And I absolutely know personal mental health and wellness is, is a, maybe a lot of our number one, like we just don't want to go there. It's, it's, Uh it opens up Pandora's box. You don't know what's coming. (laughs) You don't know where, how deep it's going to go. You don't know if it's going to derail your life, but Mm -hmm. it talks, the whole book is really like pushing people to go to that thing. The thing that you are resisting the absolute most go there first, go there, like just aggressively go to the things that you are resisting the most because you will, they they are the things that hold the most joy and it, it does hold the most joy and, and the shame thing, 
the things that I was most shameful about in my life are the things that I am most proud of now. Yeah. The absolute most proud of now. And and even if other people are uncomfortable about it, that doesn't affect me. Like, like I used to care if I made people uncomfortable yeah. and now it's just like, oh, they're not for me. It's chilled. No love lost. It's, it's, there's no hardship in it. It's just, they're, they're not for me. It's fine. You know why though? This is so cool. Cause I feel like you just hit the nail on the head so beautifully because you're not attached to them. Like yes. all those things that happened to you make up who you are today and help to create who you are now. But those experiences aren't you. It's not that deep you. It's not who you are deep down there. So before I identified, right. But now you like when you do the work and you realize like, oh, I went through that and this is a part of me, but in no way does that define me. Mm -hmm. You don't feel that guilt or shame or stigma anymore because you're like, well, that's, I mean, it's a part of my experience, but that's not who I am. Yeah. Like you're not attacking who I actually am. So, you know, no harm, no foul. I don't care. I just remembered something that you said, and I'm like, okay, this, this is a big one. I love that you said this. I remember, I don't know what, if, if, I, if I was on your Instagram, I can't remember where I heard this information, but it was definitely you that said it. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have this amazing, it's like a tip. And, and you said, if you are a person who is struggling with like anxiety or depression or, or any, any one, anything that there's these moments when they, those things flare, right? Like you can get triggered and those emotions or those, you feel like it's a problem that you have. They, they get big. And in the moment, it's too hard to like self-soothe because you're like heightened, right? You're in this heightened state of emotion, whatever it is. And you you talked about like having a list in your phone, something so oh, yeah. easily accessible that you have a plan on, on your coping mechanisms. I'm going to show like, you. You're going to show me. Okay. Tell us about this because I've never heard anyone say it like that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that is brilliant. You like literally have a self like care plan in your phone. Hold up right here, guys. Let's talk about Viore. So Viore has a thriving, active community in Encinitas, California, and it served as the inspiration for the brand itself. Like the idea was to build an activewear line that didn't look like activewear. And I can attest to the fact that they nailed this spot on because I've been wearing Viore every single day for the last month and a half. And people don't think I'm wearing activewear. I think that they're like, they think I'm wearing like jeggings. And <laughs> they have this ribbed tank that I've been wearing. It's like it hits right at the belly button. And you guys, I nursed three kids for almost three years each. Let's do the math on that. I am not a woman that can go braless like ever in my life. I've accepted that fact. It's just a truth about me. I put on this activewear, like this tank, this rib tank from Viore. And I was like, maybe I don't need to wear a bra. Like, like it's so supportive yet not tight and cutting me off that it doesn't make sense in my head. Like, I don't know how they did it, but I went braless. I can work out in this thing braless. I'm having no bra lines in the back. I'm feeling supported. I'm feeling comfortable. Like I... It is the best of the best. And I can say this because I know I have gone every route in activewear from like the fast fashion stuff to like the really nice expensive stuff. Viore wins hands down every single time with every single item. So Viore is an investment into your happiness. For our Wake Up With Wesley listeners, they are offering you guys 20% off of your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing 
on planet earth at vioriclothing.com slash Wesley. So that's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com slash Wesley. Not only will you receive 20% off of your first purchase, but you can enjoy free shipping on any U.S. order over 75 bucks plus free returns. So go to vioriclothing.com slash Wesley and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Let's get back to the show. Oh, it's huge. You guys, it's pages long. What does it say? <laughs> pages long. It's okay. So you summed it up beautifully. It's from 2018 too. You summed it up beautifully. It's that it's, if I'm waking up and I'm super anxious one day and overwhelmed, like having to eat, I don't even want to think about what shirt I have to put on, let alone how I'm going to feel better that day. Like sometimes that's too much. It like is that's, too much. Those are the days where like, it's too hard to figure that out. So on days like today where I'm feeling good and I'm hyped and I'm excited to talk about you, that's the days when you get expired and make that note. Cause you're just, you're doing future meadow a solid. You're doing mostly a solid. You are looking out for yourself on the day where it's going to be too hard to figure out that out. You can just scroll through and figure out which ones you want them to be. Oh so, my gosh. Mine is pages and pages long. It's because I kind of realized my anxiety shows up in like really different ways. Like sometimes I will feel like super overwhelmed and I want to crawl in a cocoon and like binge watch Netflix all day. And sometimes I'm like really up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that high energy, shaky, heart racing, kind of like too much energy. In I know body. that. Those are days I like rage clean. Exactly. So cleaning is totally a coping mechanism that I use too. I'm not kidding. So I'll compartmentalize. This is like, if you want to, this is like some VIP stuff. This is, if you want to get really extra with it, you, this is so, this is a nice to have. You don't have to do it. Not a must okay. have, but I compartmentalize my coping strategies into different lists for when I'm feeling different ways or different things. So to kind of explain that further, like I have some under a category called physical, some that are energy cleansing, some that are for my mind. So if my anxiety is more in my body and I need to kind of get it out of my body, I do different things than if I'm wrapped up in my racing thoughts. Okay. You're blowing my mind. I've never even thought about the different anxieties, but I know the minute you said that, I understand. I have had that body anxiety, the physical anxiety, and I have had mental anxiety and I've also felt spiritual energy anxiety. Okay. So let me read you some of these. Cause I, I want to know which ones you do. Okay. So some of my physical ones, like if I am all that physical, sometimes it's a, I have too much energy to burn. So like I want to rage clean or do a high intensity interval and bust it out. Sometimes if it's more, it's in my body, but I just feel icky. I want to, I say, I said, take a shower, not a bath and scrub your hands and feet because what else literally washes your hands clean of it? Oh my gosh. You know, that's one I'll do. And then if it's an energy cleanse kind of day, what I'll do is maybe like make sure I make my bed, set up at least just the room and like stay in one room that feels like my sanctuary or my safe space of the day or like light a candle or Palo Santo, get a little sage. You can, yeah. yeah. And then for some of my mind ones, if your mind is really racing, if you can, I mean, if it's not a work day and you don't have responsibilities, turn the phone off or put it in another room and go read a book, even for just like 30 minutes, an hour just phone off in the other room, do anything to kind of unplug and kind of get away from those thoughts. And sometimes you can lean into them and meditate and kind of go that route. And sometimes you just want to like dive into Harry Potter and be distracted and in a new world to really (laughs) pull you out of what you're going through. It's so true. People like us too, that are into it. 
I don't know if you have the same problem, but I'll try to over intellectualize myself. Like I'll be going through something and be trying to work it out. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're, you're doing too much. Like this I am you. You work out your own mind. Like, let me just go read Harry Potter and just take a breath. That is literally <laughs> what I do when I'm too in my mind. I'm too uh, like fixed. I'm fixated on fixing yes. it. Yes. And I will research until I'm blue in the face. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm running circles around my mind. And that is when I know I need to read like something stupid, like 50 shades of gray. Exactly. Or I need to like watch like exactly. SpongeBob SquarePants. Like I need to turn off my brain. I, not, not run it. It's still, it's our way to resist. It's like yes. the level of resistance rather than repressing it. We're trying to intellectualize it so much. We're not just accepting, you know, this it's is like the funniest resist. conversation I've ever had in my life. I've never yes. said these words out loud. That is me. That yes. is so what I do. I like, like leveled up resistance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to hijack it. Like I'm trying to like trick yes. it. Yes. yes. Which it goes back to like, this stuff never ends. Like no. we're resisting too. We just found different ways to be like, oh, we're, we're like hyper intellectualizing it. So we're understanding. No, we're just resisting. Like we're just doing the same thing too. Like just take a breath. Avoiding the work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ways to kind of compartmentalize those. But yeah, that's my very long list. So that is a pro tip. Make the list for yourself in advance. That has come in handy so many times for me. I'm going to do this today because yeah. the, there is- Send me that. I want your exact list. If you don't yeah. mind, I'm going to copy paste that thing because Please. I love it. Copy, paste, post to the world, share them all because I, sometimes they're not going to work for everyone. And sometimes they don't work for us, but then you wake up that it's the same day too, right? Like if you're doing stuff that, you know, maybe it's not even a bad day, but just mm-hmm. something that you kind of wanted to get something out of a nice activity for yourself. And it did not work. Sometimes you got to have new ideas. So you just got to keep them fresh. Keep the list going. I agree. Okay. So Meadow, I have to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard your story. Now I know your story, but I'm curious what what was it that turned your life around? For in the in the po- I mean, I looking at you talking to you, I feel like you never went dark, you never went negative. But what really made you jump into the deep waters of this type of work? Like like wake up call for your life. I don't I can tell you the one that feels like it for me right now. Mhm. So I'm sure I'm going to have many of those, but I feel like the one, the first one that comes to mind has got to be the one that's it, right? So the first thing that comes to mind is the first time I experienced this myself. So I was always kind of, like I said, it was always like, I was the family member. I was the student that was there, but not involved. Like I was always kind of around me, but it wasn't to me. And then once I graduated college, I was living in Oakland and I was in a relationship that was abusive and I didn't realize it till after. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took that really hard in the way that I'm, I internalized it and was like, this is your line of work. This is what you do. And you didn't, and even you didn't realize what you just put yourself in to. And after that, because there was a lot of like trauma and abuse wrapped up in that, I developed anxiety mm-hmm. and I had anxiety about where I was. I had anxiety that someone was going to like come back and find me. I had, I had that And that was the first time I really took that hard for myself. Of course, I was stressed out all the time. Like I've been a college student. I've been stressed. I've felt different levels of depression, anxiety, but this is the first time that it really affected my day-to-day and my day-to-day life. And I think that was the first time I was like, whoa, okay, this isn't just a byproduct of an event that you've been through. This is something that you actually, this was your true core experience kind of as an adult Mm -hmm. for the first time. And I think that's what really turned it around for me. And 
I have to say, I think that's why I'm in such a beautiful relationship now. Because after that, I was talking to like my godmother, essentially. And she was saying, basically, you have to take the time. She, she recommended to me, take the time to be alone. Like you're so, like you went through something that was really hard. You're kind of internalizing this. You're doing that. Like take the time to not rely on a relationship, like not rely on other people, like be alone and be bored and be scared and be, you know, frustrated or sad, like be alone and work through all of that and just see what happens and see what comes up. And I did that for a long time. And like, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even, I was like, okay, no, even flirting. Like, I don't want any distraction. I don't want any outside. Like I'm going to be with myself and just figure out what this was and what this is going through, what this brings up for me. And I did that. I ended up having to move back to San Diego because my little brother wasn't doing so well, kind of last minute. And it was kind of a whirlwind. And I walked into this job kind of like frustrated that I had to move. And it was almost a year after all of this drama happened for myself up in Oakland. And I walked in and in walked this guy. And I was like, oh my God, it's the male version of me. Like, I think me having gone through that and kind of internalizing and taking that so hard and then taking the time to step back and reset and really take, okay, name what's happening in you. And I'm, that took like 10 months. That's not like just one summer. That's not like a week. Like that took a long time for me to work through and I'm still doing it. But I think really very, very intentionally carving out that space each and every day to make sure like, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going through right now. Like, this is what I'm working on right now. And it was at the forefront of my mind and every decision I make, I think that's what switched it for me. Cause that felt like a true ownership of my own story. Ah, that is beautiful. Right? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, right. Does that make sense? Yes. Yours, right? <laughs> no, it totally does. There's something that I tell my, my daughters because it's a gift that I realized I had in my life. And I, I thought it was so wrong and weird being young. I was so young with kids and I was always alone because we were always moving. And I was like, kind of like, Oh, why am I, I don't have like friends, but mm-hmm. I think the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to be really comfortable and secure alone. And being <laughs> alone does not mean you're lonely. It doesn't have to. Absolutely not. Maybe it is at first if you're not used to it, but it doesn't have to. You know what? My mom is thriving in quarantine. She was like, nothing to do but be by myself and entertain myself. Like I'm she she when I first started calling her, like, hey, how are you doing? She's like, really busy, gotta go by. She's like, I'm reading books, I'm organizing my space, I'm working through stuff in my head. Like, and I think that having a mom that does that for you. Woo, that sets you up for some strong independence as a woman. No, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It is. I'm glad you said that because I haven't talked about that on the podcast before, but I think it's a really powerful thing is to find a way to feel comfortable when you're alone. It's a big I think deal. You do a solo pod on it. Though. I didn't do that. You I'm, got I'm, your seriously, I just got my next idea. Thanks. Yeah. Tips on how to, how to be happy with yourself alone. How to it, be alone. It, it's cool because I think when you work out, being so confident and self-assured in yourself, you start attracting people that are in that same place. Oh, and then your friendships get so nice. There's no more drama. Like if like you, if you have friends who are comfortable being alone and independent, there is no, no more of that weird shit. No oh more God, of that weird shit. I can't text you back. I am the worst texter and I'm so sorry. And sometimes I'm just, you know what I mean? When people are not so wrapped up in that kind of drama, respond right away. Or I need that when people are like, oh no, you're good. Like, hey, I'm still here. Like I, 
those just are my people comfortability yeah <laughs> kind of a baseline level yeah those people you're talking about those are my people those are my oh people. my gosh okay I have one more question for you okay advice you would give to your younger self I mean you feel like oh. you're you're on it I feel like you were on it from your youth oh gosh that's so kind and so not true I mean I'd like to say that I was always very I, I am pretty good at going with the flow like the worst thing I can imagine would happen. And I'm like, okay, here we are. Like, this is reality. Like, let's make the most of this. Like I've, I've always been pretty obnoxiously optimistic because my whole thing was what's the alternative. Yeah. What do you, what do you, but there is none. Like if I, if I don't find a way to make this work, this is reality. What's the alternative. Okay. But what would I give it my advice to what age? Any, any younger, self? any, any, the oh. younger self that probably needs the advice. Hmm. It'd probably be my young self, like right before my dad fell, right before my dad died. And it would be, you can handle anything that's coming your way. Like just trust yourself, mm-hmm. anchor in yourself, know yourself, trust yourself. You can get through anything. You can. And I learned that the hardest thing that I ever, 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 like my deepest fear happened and now I feel so free because of it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I lived through it. Wow. Like now throw it at me, bring it, bring it universe. I'm, Oh my gosh, don't bring COVID, but bring, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, let me not manifest like bad tragedies or anything, but just, I, I just feel so confident that I know I've been there before. And if it happens again, it won't be forever because I know that I'll have the tools to get myself there. And I think when people have these conversations and educate themselves, even if something's never happened to you before, maybe a friend is someday is going to go through something and you just are, it's, it doesn't feel as big as a hit. Cause you're like, okay, I know about this. Like I've heard podcasts about this. Like we know we've got some tools, like if there's going to be work, but here we go, we're going to do it and we're going to get through it. And it doesn't have to be that scary. You are so lovely. Real. I just have to tell you, I really, this has been the, it's been an hour over now. I'm like, really? I've lost track of time. This is just one of the best experiences for me as a podcaster because it's so fun. And I feel like this is a part of what I wanted when I thought of this was you. And I didn't know, but I, you know what I mean? I I wanted this. I feel like I manifested this because I'm like, I still feel like we have a list of things to talk about. Will you come back on? Let's just come back on. Let's just, you come up with a topic. I'll go. I will. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Meadow, where can we find you? Oh, uh, Instagram is kind of like my main, my main bay at my handle is at meadow underscore AF. Okay. And then I very recently decided to (laughs) try to be a YouTuber. I love YouTube. It's my like, it's my like vehicle of choice. Love YouTube. Okay. I was like that kid in 2009 that was binge watching Candy Johnson videos. Like <laughs> I I was one of those weird kids that like, I've always loved YouTube. And I was like, there's nothing else to do in court. I wanted a fun hobby in quarantine. And I'm like, you know, so many things are outdoors and I still want to be respectful of others. What's like a cool indoor hobby that I can pick up. So I'm like, okay, let's try YouTube. It's like my hobby right now, just for fun. So I'm trying, I don't even, oh my God, I don't even know what my, I don't know how to find me on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't even know. Okay. Go well, we'll put it in my Instagram. It's okay. fine. 
Okay, we'll go to your Instagram and I'll put it in the show notes. I'll look it up. By the time this comes out, we'll have it. We'll have it. You are the funniest YouTuber yeah. I've ever talked to. You're like, I actually don't know how to find myself on YouTube. I'm like, I'm a YouTuber, but I don't even know how to find it. <laughs> that is the funniest. Okay, you guys, you can find Meadowlark at Meadow. It's Meadowlark underscore AF. Is it? No, it's. I think my name is Meadowlark, but my handle is Meadow. See, I'm oh, just see, to see. the people. Okay. Shit, man. We just did confuse the people. That was me. I'm sorry. It's just Meadow, guys. It's just Meadow. Don't worry about it. Just go, just type in Meadow. So, what, but you like, really you listen. You got some really good resources. You're just, you're so fun to like learn from and watch and it feels good. It's not daunting. It's not heavy. You're a light in this space. And I, I know it's just beginning for you. So this is, this is going to go far and wide and sprawling. And I can't wait to now just watch it happen. I'm excited. I'm just holding up a mirror. Like everything you just said to me, I'm like, could I not feel that more about you? Like I'm so stoked to just be here together. Listen to the conversations you're bringing up. I learned so much from everything you put out. Like this is, we're, we're going to trade. We're going to come back. You're going to come back. back. I'm going to come back. This is going to be a thing. I'll finally write that blog. Shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Meadow. We love you. We'll see you next week. All the love.